morning and welcome to Chapel Under the Oaks. Today is April 4th, 2021, and it's Easter. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We are outside for our Easter sunrise service, and it's calm, not too cool. We can hear the birds singing. It's just a perfect Easter morning. We're out here so early because we just can't wait to get this day started. Just like the women who went to Jesus's tomb could not wait any longer to get there and take care of his needs. Their savior awaited them, but not in the way that they anticipated. They were about to discover the rest of the story, the part of the story that makes it different than any other story, the part of the story that makes it the story, the story that defines our world, the story that changed everything, the story that enables each of us to be here, redeemed, forgiven, and living lives of amazing grace. Our scriptures for this special service are two of the accounts of that first Easter morning found in the Gospels of Luke and John. Now, I don't know about you, but I just can't hear this story enough. Listen as I read from the New International Version. First, Luke 24, 1 through 9. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like, nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And now John 20, 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the, the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. 
The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Now they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Well, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I, I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Well, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Would you please pray with me? Almighty God, my heavenly Father, Make me an instrument of your salvation and sanctification for these precious people that you have entrusted to my care through this podcast, that by my life and teaching, I may set forth your true and living word. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. When I read the accounts that we read earlier, I'm always struck by one question. Why the women? I I mean, seriously, why would this moment, the most important, singular, life-changing moment in the history of the world, be focused on the women? Now, we know it's not the first time in the Bible that women have played leading roles. Uh, Think about the Old Testament salvation story way back in Exodus. The first two chapters were full of women heroines that changed the course of history. First, the midwives boldly refused to kill any Hebrew baby boys during childbirth, despite Pharaoh's directions to do so. And then when Pharaoh gives the order to kill all the Hebrew baby boys, a Levite woman named Jochebed boldly puts her son Moses in a basket in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and, defying her father's orders, boldly saves him from the river. Miriam, Moses' sister, boldly approaches the princess and offers Jochebed as a nurse for him. What courage! 
We should notice, however, what these women were doing as they demonstrated this amazing courage. What they were doing was what they were brought up to do. Women's work. Nurturing, caring for others, rearing children, providing for their families. Here in the Gospels, we find the same thing. Women doing women's work. Preparing Jesus' body for burial. And they are so intent on accomplishing their task that they arrive early in the morning as the sun is coming up. On a morning like this. Kind of makes you wonder what the men were doing, doesn't it? Now, up until now, the 12 or the 11, now without Judas, have been the center of the story. They were at the Passover meal where Jesus introduced the new covenant. They were there when Jesus was arrested. Although his major role was to deny Jesus, we read that Peter is there as Jesus is brought before the high priest. John shows up at the cross in John's gospel. But now, as the first light of morning approaches, where are they? Well, we can imagine how they're feeling. I mean, about 36 hours have passed since Jesus died on the cross and nothing has happened to make this nightmare go away. They are despondent, certainly, afraid, absolutely, hiding, quite likely. They're probably terrified that they are next, that the mere association that they had with Jesus will lead to their own crucifixion. They're grieving the loss of a friend and a teacher. They're humiliated. They really believe that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. In their shock over Jesus's crucifixion and death, they forgot. They forgot the warnings of the cross. They forgot the promises of what would be. They forgot Jesus' concerned words to them just two days before. In John 16, we read his words to them at the Last Supper. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, She no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Peter was probably remembering his repeated denials of Jesus during that long Thursday night and Friday morning. Why had he not spoken up for Jesus? Was he that much of a coward? Death would be better than living with this guilt. John might have been considering how he would take care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was now his responsibility. Jesus had specifically asked him to take care of her from the cross. How would he manage that, especially if he was arrested himself? We can only surmise, but we do know this. Whatever they were doing, 
They were not focused on taking care of Jesus's needs. They had moved on. Jesus was dead, like so many would-be messiahs who had come before. And there was no sense in dwelling in the past. They thought he was the one, but obviously not. Perhaps they could someday get over this three-year mistake and restore some order to their worlds. Maybe they could even get back to the business of fishing. Life would go on. But the women, on the other hand, the women weren't thinking that far ahead. Every gospel records without discrepancy that the women, specifically Mary Magdalene and others, went to the tomb to prepare Jesus's body for burial. They weren't hiding or afraid of the Roman authorities. They weren't worried about what comes next in their own lives. They were mourning the loss of Jesus, this man who had loved them, valued them, and transformed their lives. And they were intent on providing for him one last time. And what an amazing surprise Jesus had in store for them. When they focused on serving him, on loving him, on meeting his needs, he gave them the greatest gift of all, himself, just as he does for us. You see, the women knew something the men did not. The women knew that they were loved by Jesus. If there was one thing they had learned in following him as he taught and healed and ate and laughed, they knew this. Jesus treated them differently. He respected them, honored them, loved them as they had never experienced before. And for many of them, I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene in particular, they knew they had been saved, literally rescued from a life that only led to death, a life of sin and punishment. Soon the world would know that Jesus had saved them all by his death on the cross. But Mary knew already that he had saved her. She was loved. She was saved, but now she was about to learn something that she could not have expected. She was also needed. Her master and savior needed her, Mary. You know, as unbelievable as it may seem, and it is unbelievable at times, Jesus needs us. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, cannot complete his mission of rescuing his creation without you and me. We are his hands and feet, his voice and body to share this amazing grace-filled story of Easter with the world. And it all began in the garden when Mary encountered the risen Jesus. He had a job for her. Go tell those hiding, fearful, self-absorbed men 
that I'm alive and I need their help. She was needed. It's Easter Sunday, the most holy of all Sundays, the day that recalls and renews our salvation. What better time to ask yourself, what job does Jesus need me to do? How can I be his hands and feet, his voice and body in this time and this place? My grandmother lived to be almost 101 years old. Her favorite hymn was an old one, one I suspect that you know, one that Mary Magdalene could have written. I can hear her voice singing. Now it's early in the morning, so give me a break here, but I want you to sing with me. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known Jesus needs you and he's waiting for you in the garden this Easter morning. Don't be afraid. Just keep your eyes on him. He wants to give himself to you. And he has a job that only you can do. As you celebrate your faith this Easter Sunday, remember, you are loved, you are saved, and you are needed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.